and welcome to the It Hurts to Mom podcast. I'm Lauren Rose and I'm excited to have you and I'm also really excited to start this podcast. One little caveat before we start though, I'm a writer, not a public speaker. So what you're going to hear is minimally edited and just really authentic. So who am I? I am 42. I live in Texas in the United States and I'm the mom of a nine-year-old daughter. I'm the creator of the brand It Hurts to Mom, which is at ithurtstomom.com and at ithurtstomom on Instagram and Facebook. I've had chronic pain for nearly 30 years. It started with migraines and tension headaches at age 15. And then in my 30s, I developed spondyloarthropathy, degenerative and inflammatory arthritis, degenerative disease, and fibromyalgia. And then at 37, I became disabled and had to stop working. Plus, I've had depression, anxiety, and chronic fatigue my entire life. I didn't know these things weren't normal, that not everyone feels this way all the time. I'm starting this podcast because of the chronic pain statistics. In the United States alone, 50 million people live with chronic pain. That is 20%. That is one in five. And 8% of us, which is one in 12, have chronic pain that significantly affects our daily lives. And the world statistics are pretty much the same. 10 to 20% of people in the world live with chronic pain. And it's been an extremely lonely journey. So my goal is to show love to a group of people that doesn't feel loved by society and culture. I mean, we spend most of our time putting on a smile and trying to look healthy. And I also want to, besides talking about our struggles, I want to provide tips and tricks for dealing with each area of our lives better. So today's episode is on parenting with chronic pain. We're going to talk about seven struggles and then seven tips for making things easier on us. So struggles. Number one, taking care of a baby. So there's the physical toll, the making bottles and cleaning bottles, the pumping of milk, having to have playtime, having to have tummy time, not to mention trying to get housework done. My daughter hated the playpen, so she screamed and cried whenever I tried to put her in there to do dishes or, you know, clean the floor. So I did not get a lot of housework done back then. Then there's the fatigue. The lack of sleep is just inherent in having a baby. When I went back to work, the first, I think, week that I went back to work, I was so exhausted. I actually dozed off at the wheel going down the highway on the way to work that morning. And when I opened my eyes, it was really scary realizing that my eyes had just been closed for a second or two, and I had no idea that that had happened until my eyes opened up. And speaking of going back to work, there's the stress of finances. If you have to put your child in daycare to go back to work, there's the working outside the home mom guilt or dad guilt. Plus, if you're a woman, we've got hormones and emotions that are just out of control and all all over the place. I was lucky enough to be able to take my baby to work with me until she got too distracting um, when she could just sit there in her playpen or on the floor on, you know, a blanket and just and just play. She was fine. But then when she started actually trying to play with my papers or getting too involved with typing on the computer, I had to send her to daycare full time. But it was nice when when I had it. Um, taking care of an older child. Number two, um, they can do more things for themselves, but they also seem to need more things um, a lot of the time. I have to get up early, get my daughter ready, get her meds ready, you know, help her pick out clothes or remind her to get dressed, make her lunchbox or her snacks, 
remind her to get her backpack ready. And at nighttime, there's always a fight about brushing her teeth. I have to help her, you know, give a bath. And she always wants to play with me while she's getting a bath. So that's a, a little bit of a toll on me. And then there's, you know, bedtime routine that, you know, I give her songs and maybe a little bit of snuggling. And that takes a toll on me. I don't always feel like doing that. Um, number three, meals. I'm really lucky. My husband loves to cook, but he works full time, mostly outside of the house. So he gets home and he's he's tired and doesn't always feel like cooking. And I certainly do not cook as often as I would like, mostly because of my pain. Um, prepping and cooking meals is incredibly painful for me. Most of the time, by the time I'm done, I'm not even able to enjoy dinner with my family. I have to go lie down and, and rest my body. So my daughter eats unhealthy foods a lot more than I'd like her to. Chicken nuggets, mac and cheese, you know, ham and cheese sandwich. And I'm not thrilled about that. Um, struggle number four, playing. So my daughter has a temperament that I learned about in a book by Kathleen Edelman called A Grown-Up's Guide to Kids Wiring. And if you want to understand your child a little bit better, I highly recommend this book. My daughter turned out to be a yellow, which means she needs attention, affection, approval, and acceptance. And she likes to have fun in everything she does. She's an extrovert. She's people-oriented. My husband and I are introverted and task-oriented, so we're the complete opposite. So my daughter always wants to play, whether she's getting ready, whether she's in the bathroom, whether she's in the bathtub, whether we're doing cleaning. And that's really, really hard, both physically and emotionally on me, if I'm not having a great mental health day or if I'm tired or, you know, just doing it is exhausting. So struggle number four, chauffeuring. I have to take my daughter to school most days, pick her up. I take her to her doctor's appointments. I take her to her extracurricular activities most of the time. She was in daycare, but rent got too high, so she gets picked up by me now. Um, sometimes daycare, though, was a blessing because some days I needed that extra time to prepare for the evening, or my husband could pick her up after he got off of work. So sometimes I didn't have to pick her up. Whereas now, you know, every day that's my responsibility. I'm really lucky my husband takes her and picks her up on Wednesdays and Fridays, even two days a week is a tremendous help, not just physically, but emotionally. Struggle number six, emotional and physical exhaustion. So if you have chronic pain, you may be familiar with the spoon theory by Christine Miserandino, I hope I got her name correct. Um, you can see it or read about it more on butyoudontlooksit.com slash the underscore spoon underscore theory. So the spoon theory is a metaphor that explains how people with chronic pain and illness only have a certain amount of energy each day. So instead of doing whatever we want, whenever we want, like showering, cooking, shopping, socializing, etc., we have to pace ourselves so we don't overexert. Healthy people generally start each day with an unlimited number of spoons. But for a sick person, each day starts with a limited number. Some days have more than others. And with each small task, it's a big task to us, getting out of bed, eating, getting dressed, driving to work, showering, whatever it is, we lose a spoon. Basically, our illness is always in control. We have to be mindful of every little thing we do and the consequences of each task. We may be able to do certain things, 
but we can't do everything. As Christine says, I give a piece of myself in every sense of the word when I do anything. So basically the point is dealing with severe chronic pain and chronic fatigue is a full-time job and add on depression and debilitating anxiety like I have, it can get completely overwhelming. And sometimes I don't have the spoons to do anything in the evening just from taking basic care of myself during the day. And struggle number seven, feeling like I'm not a good mom. I cannot play every time she wants. I physically, because of my pain, can't take her to the fair or the zoo or volunteer for all of her events. And of course, she gets way too much screen time because sometimes I just can't give her the attention that she wants and deserves. Now let's talk about tips for being the best parent that we can be. There's seven of these as well. Number one, talk to your kids about your pain or illness. First of all, you need to understand your illness and your pain in general. So do your research. There's a great book by Mel Pohl, P-O-H-L, called A Day Without Pain. It helped me a lot understand my own pain. It explains how pain signals are created, the biology of pain. It talks about the factors that lead to or exacerbate chronic pain. And it offers multiple strategies for managing and improving chronic pain. If you have a young child, there's a cute little book called Why Does Mommy Hurt by Elizabeth M. Christie. I've read that to my daughter multiple times. And when you're talking to your kids, it's not a one-time conversation. It's an often conversation. Sometimes I'll say, baby, we need to wrap up playing dolls. Mommy's hips are starting to hurt a lot. Um, and because of this, um, my daughter even, not only does she understand when I can only play for 15 or 20 minutes, and she's good with that, she actually helps me sometime. Recently, I was freaking out. My anxiety took over complete control. I was trying to clean off a desk that we have in the dining area, and I looked at it and got completely overwhelmed. My anxiety just completely out of control. And my daughter came over, she took over, and she just said, Let's just start in this corner and put everything in a stack. We'll just do one thing at a time. So because she knows that I have severe anxiety that sometimes just takes control of my life, and she has anxiety, so she knows how our amygdala works when we have anxiety and how it can easily get in control. She knew how to help me at that time. Um, obviously, when you're talking, keep it age appropriate, and if they ask questions, um, answer honestly, but not in too, too much detail. They don't need to know every single little struggle that we have. Tip number two, taking care of your child. Enlist help. If your child's a baby or a toddler, you'll get a lot of, of help offers. Take them up on it, even if you don't think they meant it. If they offer to help, take them up on it. Tell them specifically what they can do. You know, can you watch the baby for an hour while I take a shower or run to Target? Number two, sleep when the baby sleeps or you probably won't sleep at all. Also with help, I mean, you might have a partner, you might have a family member, older siblings can help. And if you can squeeze the funds, hire a housekeeper. My almost 77-year-old mother comes over and helps me take care of my house. And yes, on one hand, that makes me feel terrible, but she loves doing it. It brings her joy and it helps me. 
Um, teach your child to do things on their own, like pick out their own clothes, you know, how to get dressed, how to put their toys away before playing with another one. Kids really do love being independent. Yes, they love being coddled and taken care of sometimes, but as they grow, they even as toddlers, they love to be able to do things for themselves. As far as carpooling, see if you can trade off with another parent, maybe every other day or one week you do it and the next week they do it. Just even having those two days a week that my husband can help me, not only as a physical help, but it's an emotional help as well. Because if it's, you know, Thursday and I'm having a really bad pain and mental health day, I'm able to get up and push through because I can think, I just have to do it today. My husband's got this tomorrow. And it really is a great help. As far as meals and cooking, um, there's the option of, you know, cooking extra and freezing it, cooking spaghetti sauce or chili that reheats pretty well on the stovetop. There are also TV dinners and Costco for emergency meals. And I'll talk some more about, you know, meals in um, my next podcast, Living with Chronic Pain. Number three, playing. Modify your playing. I have to do this all the time. I play lying down or in my favorite chair. I mean, maybe we can't get on the floor, but I can play Barbies on the bed lying down. I can pretend, play pretend with her when I'm lying on the bed or on the couch. I can play board games with her on the couch. She loves to move my pieces and roll the dice or spin the wheel, you know, move my little pieces around the board. She loves to do that for me. So, um, in a few minutes, she'll actually hear an interview, um, a short interview with my daughter that I thought was important. I wanted to get her perspective on living with a, a parent with chronic pain. Number four, have great supplies on hand. If you need it, a back brace, a knee brace, a wrist brace, anything like that. Um, use a walking stick, a walker or a wheelchair if necessary. We have to get over this fear of being judged by society or this fear of feeling old, whatever it is that has us in fear or in anxiety or embarrassment, we have to get over it. And that's easier said than done because I'm certainly not there yet. I've picked out a walking stick on Amazon. I've not yet put it in my cart to buy it. So I'm working on that also. If you have trouble reaching, a grab claw tool is great. If you have headaches, migraines, and you have a crying baby or a whining child or you know, with me, definitely a child getting off the pacifier, earplugs or, you know, AirPods or earbuds with the noise cancellation on. Amazing. Um, if your child's in sports, get a stadium chair. Take that and sit on the bleachers with that. If you are disabled, get a handicap placard or handicap plates for your car. Um, creams like topical CBD cream or Arnica cream, anything that happens to work for you. And always have rescue medicines in your purse or somewhere available where you can grab if you are not at home. Tip number five, self-care. This is kind of a long one. So self-care needs to be daily. Self-care isn't selfish. It's essential. So one idea is to have a self-care box. So things that are in it that are related to each of the five senses. So for touch, a soft plush animal. For taste, maybe your favorite candy a sound, um, a CD or a playlist based on your mood. If you need to relax, listen to spa music. If you need to feel angry in that moment, you know, alternative or heavy metal music, 
if you need to feel motivated or like you can do something. Four songs that I love, I Will Survive by Gloria Gaynor, Stronger by Kelly Clarkson, Fight Song by Rachel Platten, and Don't Stop Believing by Journey. The sense of smell, essential oils are amazing. You can just smell them and they work in your brain. You can also put them on topically. And for sight, a photo of your family or just anything that makes you happy, your dog or something adorable. Um, other ideas for self-care, journaling, meditation, going for a walk if you can. That's not something I can do, but a lot of people can and it's you know great. Coloring, whether it's an adult coloring book or sometimes I even color in my child's coloring book. It's it just it's relaxing that those movements and the creativity. If you need to cry, this is something I'm working on as well. I don't like to cry. I've always seen it as a sign of weakness, but I'm teaching my daughter that crying is important and that you need to cry to get those feelings out. So I'm trying to do that more also. And also an Epsom salt bath. Um, I think they used to say bubble baths. I'm more into Epsom salt baths. They're relaxing and they remove toxins at the same time. So you can't beat that. And finally, with self-care, stop the negative self-talk. We can acknowledge that we feel like bad parents, but be sure to also acknowledge that we're doing the best we can. Next in self-care, therapy. Even if you're going once a month, even if you're going online, it's really helpful to have somebody to talk to about anything that's not going to judge you and that's going to help you through it. And one point about therapy, if you've seen the same therapist for a decade and you're stealing, still dealing with the same issues, your therapist is not doing his or her job. Your therapist's job is for you not to need him or her at some point. <laughs> it's to drive them out of a job so that you are healthy enough not to need them. And finally, on self-care medications, um, you may struggle with depression or anxiety if you have chronic pain. They may be short-term or long-term medications. There's no shame in that, especially the last couple of years with COVID and mental health really being forefront of a lot of conversations. There's not any shame in that or stigma in that as there used to be you know, decades ago. Medications help us be the best version of ourselves. And if, if medications aren't the right thing for you, like my mother's very sensitive to medication. She can't take most medications. Her body reacts badly. There are a lot of natural supplements. There's CBD, turmeric with black pepper, um, vitamins D3 and B vitamins, magnesium, different things that can help with pain, can help with depression, mood, anxiety, all of those things. Tip number seven, remember that even healthy parents often don't feel like they're good parents. Healthy parents have a lot of the same struggles just for different reasons. Sometimes they can't play with their child or take them certain places or volunteer. Maybe that's because other parents are busy around the house or working or taking care of other children, but they still have the same struggles. And I think most parents these days probably think their kids have too much screen time Think that's a common conversation. So let's not beat ourselves up too much feeling like a bad parent because we are unhealthy because we've got the same struggles other parents have just for different reasons. And tip number seven, just be present. Like I said, my daughter is perfectly happy if I'm playing dolls with her for 15 minutes. She doesn't care if I'm lying down 
or on my really bad days, if she has to move all the dolls while I just do the voices. She just wants the attention and to spend time with me. And with that, I'd like you to hear the little interview that I had with her just yesterday. So I'm here with my daughter B. She's nine years old. Hi. And I wanted to get a child's perspective um, regarding what we're talking about. So you ready? Yeah. All right, first question, what's it like having a parent who happens to be me with chronic pain? It's bad, but also good because sometimes she can't play with me, but sometimes she also can. What's the hardest part? The hardest part is sometimes she can't play with me. Yeah, it definitely gets hard sometimes. Yeah. How do you feel when I play pretend or dolls with you and I'm lying down? Does it bother you that I'm lying down? No, it doesn't. It doesn't bother me because as long as you're playing with me, it's fine. Yeah, you just want you want me to spend the time with you and yeah. play with you. Mm -hmm. Can you see that I really do try to play and spend time with you even when I'm hurting a lot? Yes, I know sometimes or most of the time you hurt a lot, but it doesn't mean that you can't play with me still, so I... I do, I I can see and I do know that you are always trying to play with me and yeah. you're trying your hardest. I, I do do my best. Do you love me the same as you would if I didn't have pain? Yeah, of course. I figured you were going to say that, but I think it's important that we remember that, that our children love us the exact same as if we were healthy. Thank you. You're welcome. No problem. I hope you found my daughter's words encouraging, and I really hope you've enjoyed the Parenting with Chronic Pain episode of the It Hurts to Mom podcast. See you next time.